Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We have two general advisories going on right now. General advisories? Yeah, like a you know, storm warning, high wind, flash freeze, that kind of thing. We do? Yeah. Um, first one is triple check the account is real before retweeting or responding quadruple check even and remember there are little uh, symbols and emojis that are made to look like check marks twitter's got to get rid of that uh, what looks like a seven ball yeah thing. yeah you gotta get rid of that <laughs> that one's rough there's uh and you know what i never learn like i never learn to not catch that because sometimes someone tweets something insane i'm like how that's a verified person oh no never mind yeah that's a little seven ball or whatever it is um some of you got got by uh, uh, Valeno, aka Blash Drill, on Twitter with the um, it's like a fake Bertuzzi Kaliev trade or something. Bertuzzi Turcotte. Turcotte in a first, wasn't yeah, it? something like that. When I first saw it, I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" Once I saw Turcotte and Kaliev, I'm like, "Fake!" Instantly fake. Yep. There's no way. And then um, they got. <laughs> promptly suspended i was like oh woof that one that was fast uh second advisory is i think for us we are now officially in get nervous about every phone alert because it's going to be steve eiserman making a trade at the world's most inopportune time like we're we're recording this at about 5 30 p.m on thursday evening um thursday afternoon whatever and uh this information is due to be useless like 10 minutes after posting you think I have notifications on on my phone? I just rely on you to text me. <laughs> Don't I because know it? Thirty seconds after it happens, you text me. So why would I have anything else turned on? <laughs> uh, am I enabler? I, am I an enabler? Yeah, absolutely, I am. I uh, I can tell you when the trades are going to happen because I have two games this weekend, and those are the only moments where I will not be around my phone the entire weekend is, okay yeah i actually know what time those games are so thank you i'll be yeah, extra that, that's when the trades are going down because i'm free all day sunday and all day monday so nothing's gonna happen then um i've been at the barber around at the barbers around trade deadline before and he and i already know like i don't like um like being on my phone while my barber's cutting my hair i don't know it's just if you do it do you want hair in your phone yeah like i, I don't know, it just feels kind of rude i don't know why but around like when stuff is happening he knows he's like dude just do your thing it's totally fine so i'm in the chair like a tool tweeting <laughs> hollywood oh yeah absolutely. doesn't know what it's like to be a social media influencer <laughs> he, look if i can aspire to the levels of fame and glory that tony has half of that i'll be an accomplished man Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, this Red Wings uh, trade deadline preview edition of the episode. Excited to be here and talk about these rumors that are uh, useful for maybe like 20 more minutes. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be talking all things trade deadline, uh, trades that have happened, rumors, uh, Red Wings specific, our predictions, projections, predications i don't know i'm being stupid um and then we'll be talking of course about the world of the nhl and what's happened across the league uh there will be some additional notes about the the red wings games 
game that has happened especially the one against the oilers but not too much on that uh, there's more to come on future episodes regarding game review um, and then we'll have an opportunity to check out some of your trade proposals i put a call out for some of your best red wings trade proposals before we started recording so we'll see if uh any of those are super compelling or interesting or um just so crazy that they uh crazy enough that it just might work however that goes just <laughs> so crazy they just might work thank you Yes. And then we will, uh, of course, get into overtime. Before that. Suddenly hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to, uh, I paused because I realized a few minutes in I was melting because this is the warmest day we've had all year. And so I put on shorts and a hat to cover up my hair, which was inevitably going to look sweaty because I don't have an immaculate head of hair in which not one has ever fallen off like you two. I don't know what you did to get this what genetic lottery you hit but uh i'm not jealous at all should i wear my hair like this <laughs> yeah if you could <laughs> like this no we get we already get like a, a gel it straight down <laughs> hold, if you want hold on i gotta get you an mcr t-shirt first yeah i can do a good like slavic look guys i think this is good you we get i don't a, know if that's so much adidas tracksuit as that is emo god yeah it looks a little bit more like um uh what was that fest called the, the music fest uh, Warp tour, yeah. Warp tour. Yeah, we already get enough complaints about uh, your appearance and demeanor on the episodes. I don't think we need to feed into that anymore. No, if he looks sad and depressed all the time, the emo look will actually fit. Yeah, people. Yeah, the people say that tracks. Anyhow, uh, other than this <laughs> departure in the wardrobe change, um, before we get into the Winged Wheel podcast here, I do want to talk to everyone about Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA. It's happening on Saturday, April 9th. What is it? Uh, we've partnered with the Detroit Red Wings again. So this is the second time we're running this event to uh, not only give you discounted special winged wheel podcast, discounted tickets to the April 9th game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, but also access to the winged wheel podcast night uh, festivities at Little Caesars Arena. So in the beer garden, uh, starting around four o'clock, there's a meet and greet with the hosts, as well as a lot of special guests, including Prashant Thayer will be there. Uh, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond are going to be there, especially for the live recording of the Winged Wheel podcast right from the LCA. We're going to have merch, uh, giveaways, knickknacks, prizes, tchotchkes, whatever you want to call them. And um, we're going to have some food out for you guys and the bar will be open so you'll have an opportunity to buy drinks. We'll watch the game all together in the Winged Wheel podcast sections. We filled the gondola. There's a ton of sections of the lower bowl that are filled in. We also have a lot of upper bowl seats that are uh, filling up. And then uh, the post-game after party is at Harry's Detroit Bar and Grill. More giveaways, more food, drinks, etc. And the party will go as long as we want it to. So uh, get your tickets today. They've gone incredibly fast. Link is in the description of this episode or uh, check out wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog uh, for more information. Did I get everything that time? Yeah, I think so. Wow. You didn't say Max Boltman, though. Well, Max will be there working. Max is media. Prashant is. That's okay. You don't care. Prashant is a bum like us. Okay. Yeah. Said the word food a few too many times and I was already hungry enough. You bastard. <laughs> Why don't you just stop at McDonald's on the way here? Yeah, Had I thought I'd have the time, I would have. <laughs> uh, we're all just living in Evan's world. Okay. Um, the Detroit Red Wings. Do we want to talk about the game, the Edmonton game very quickly? Have you seen a Red Wings game this year? It followed the script exactly. Uh, started off really slowly, dug themselves a deep hole, defense collapsed. Sorry, the Red Wings started off really slowly. Edmonton it, surely didn't. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the Red Wings came out flat, started slowly, got caved, 
defense was a nightmare. The offense dragged them back into the game just to have the goaltending and the defense still blow it in the end. Is Mark Stahl the greatest defenseman to ever play a game of hockey? Mm, yes, until Moritz Sider stepped into the ice, but he's he's making a case to reclaim that title. He sure is. It's very like Rafa Nadal at age 35, 36 yeah, kind of thing. Like it depends. Yeah. It depends. Do you consider Dustin Bufflin a forward or a defenseman? Uh, forward. Then it's Mark Stahl. Definitely Mark Stahl. <laughs> a moving wall, more like. Uh, yeah, Edmonton up 3 nothing. Less than five minutes in, Grice got chased, and I actually said out loud, "God have mercy on Alex Nedeljkovic." Because <laughs> <laughs> first, I thought I I didn't tune in at the start of the game, and I thought at first when I looked at the scoreboard I, that they were showing like shots, maybe. <laughs> but then I also saw the shots, and I was like, "It's five minutes, and what could this be?" I was like, "Goals? There's no way." It didn't make any sense. Great start. Yeah, I uh, rushed home and then I got home like just before the game started, but I needed a shower and I'm like, I, I can I can bang out a quick one here. It'll be fine. And I came out and it was three nothing. And I had I was in there for like not even four minutes. It was shocking. Like I saw the notifications on my phone and you know how the NHL app will send the notifications. But then sometimes if a goal is disallowed, it, it doesn't issue the correction. Yeah. I thought something like that might have happened. No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, the Red Wings being down three nothing that early. I think we all said out loud, "Well, this is a write off." And the the lineup that they put out it was Giovanni uh, Smith on the second line. And whenever you see something like that, like that's the hand that was forced. Like there's no one else. There's no Fabry. There's no Bertuzzi for that game in Canada. Um, there was never going to be a Red Wings lineup that was going to come out and have a great chance against the Oilers, to put it lightly. So really. Yeah, the Oilers won, but they ended up winning 7-5. The Red Wings tied it up 4-4 and then 5-5. I'm walking away as a Red Wings fan going, all right, cool. That's a net win for Detroit. I don't care. I expected them to lose that game. They sucked to start, but at least they showed something near the end. Like it's always First of all, Mark Stahl, his first career two-goal game, deserves to be called out. Um, Only took him 1,000 to win games. It's like, a, you know how the... Gretzky's Gretzky's the fastest player to a thousand points, and then he's also the second fastest player to score the a thousand points. But that was his next thousand. I articulated that poorly. This is just like the second part of Mark Stahl's career. His second thousand games. So yeah, he's off to a blistering. He's on pace for two thousand goals. Yes. in this stretch. <laughs> so uh, Sam Gagne also. It's always Sam Gagne. Whenever the Red Wings are getting caved and they just they're like, you need anything. It's Sam Gagne scoring from like the stands. I don't know why. He did it in the Toronto game, too. Um, Zadina from Taro Hirose, who slotted into the lineup. It was weird. The Red Wings, who needed offense, played Witkowski over Hirose the first time. Uh, Witkowski got hurt, so Hirose slotted no, no, I would game. argue the Red Wings don't need offense this year. They've actually been adequate there. The Red Wings, who need even more offense because they have no defense. There you go. Uh, Hirose got two assists, and one was a perfect uh, one-time rip from Zadina. And then uh, Lucas Raymond got the goal off of Larkin's pickpocket behind the net on um, Koskinen. So it was interesting up until the end. I think uh, Edmonton scored again with five minutes left in the third, and they never let go of the lead. But all in all, terrible game. Lots to be concerned about. But it's not any different than what we've seen in past games, except the Red Wings actually fought back in this one. So they've done that a bunch of times this year too, just to blow it. Minnesota, Toronto, like it's it's a theme. 
The team, the team doesn't quit, which is a positive sign. I'm mostly just impressed that they were able to do this much with the lineup they had. Like, if not for the first five minutes of the game, they might actually have beat the Oilers, which would have been so depressing for the Oilers, if you're an Oilers fan. I mean, are Oilers fans really capable of being any more depressed or surprised than they already usually are? You want to say no, and yet. It's very like Cleveland Browns in the NFL kind of thing. Obviously, because of my love for Connor McDavid, I have I follow more than a few Edmonton accounts on Twitter. There were a lot of reactions and emotions coming from Edmonton Twitter uh, that night, none of which were surprised. No. Not one. <laughs> I saw the like uh, Ken Holland kind of half looking up from his desk, just looking so disheveled, like looking at us, try- looking like us trying to record a podcast at eight in the morning kind of thing. Mm. I don't know why we do that to ourselves. Anyhow, uh, the Red Wings West Coast road swing continues uh, in Vancouver tonight, uh, 10 p.m. at the time of recording this. So maybe by the time you're listening, you've already watched that game and something crazy has happened. And that's the price we pay. And then uh, Saturday night, also at 10 p.m. Eastern in Seattle and Bertuzzi will be back for that game. Bertuzzi and his uh, partner Ashley had their um, first daughter uh, last Friday. So congratulations to them. I know that. Yeah, that's been a long time coming. I know in terms of. We've been waiting for a little while. Um, I think Bert has like missed some practices and stuff. Anyhow, uh, it'll be good to have him back in the lineup. Trade deadline. Speaking of Tyler Bertuzzi. (laughs) Oh, cute kid. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it it suits Steve Eisenman's way. Happy birthday. Pack your bags. You're being waved. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Hey, Bert, here's a here's a gift for me and Mrs. Eisenman. Also, you got traded. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a baby leaf jersey. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. you're you're traded. See you later, buddy. <laughs> um, so we'll go through the Red Wings roster, kind of player by player, mostly for those who are most likely to be dealt, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what we've been hearing about them to date, as well as what we might expect in, in potential returns. But when you talk about potential Red Wings trade pieces, there's no bigger name than Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and there's no more controversial name than Tyler Bertuzzi in terms of should the Red Wings even trade this guy. And there's no more, and there's no player with more complications in a trade right now than Tyler Bertuzzi. My, I will go so far as to say if, if either the federal mandates, the Canadian federal mandates uh, surrounding vaccination didn't exist or Tyler Bertuzzi was indeed vaccinated, um, it would be almost a guarantee that he'd be moved this deadline. I wouldn't say guarantee, but I would say the likelihood would be high. Yeah, I understand it's a little bit of a hot take because like that implies that oh, you you need to trade Tyler Bertuzzi. Meanwhile, Tyler Bertuzzi makes your hockey team way better. Like he's one of Detroit's best players this year, and he plays a style of hockey that a lot of teams need. Like that kind of produ- production combined with that kind of tenacity, like hard nose, like no quit, hundred ten percent. Guys in the room love him. Toronto would kill for two Tyler Bertuzzi's. Toronto with two Tyler Bertuzzi's wins a cup. They need defense. Tyler Bertuzzi can probably do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. But they also do need defense, yeah, and goaltending. It's a mess. But anyhow, uh, aside from what you mentioned, and you would think that that would disqualify the Tyler Bertuzzi conversation, what we've been hearing is that at least a few teams have been you know, asking about Tyler Bertuzzi. Those teams are the Islanders, 
Wait, are they kicking tires? They, yeah, kicking tires. I thought we banned that phrase from the podcast. Yeah, it was in twenty nine in April twenty nineteen. We did, yeah. <laughs> um, the New York Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins, are two of them. You want to know the third one that's been knocking around? Toronto? The Maple Leafs. Shocker. A little bit. Not really. He's exactly what they need. Like you just said yourself. You still have they then that means they must have an inkling of something changing with the federal mandates at some point, right? Well, if he's a resident of Canada living in Canada, he can play the Canadian games. But that does does that not complicate things not leaving but then coming back? It does. Don't get me wrong, I'm still confused. I'm less confused, but I'm still confused. <laughs> we don't have all the details. We're just putting it out there. Yeah. A noted improvement for this show. Um Tyler Bertuzzi, what does he mean, A, for the Red Wings, or I guess a better question for a team that's acquiring him, and what are you asking for? You're asking a lot. Um, if we go off what Ben Schrott just went for, Tyler Bertuzzi is worth roughly one Sidney Crosby. But um, <sighs> no, so you're looking, whenever you deal a star player who has at least a little bit of term, you always hear those, you know, we're looking for three or four pieces. Now, Ben Sherratt, who is a pure rental, just went for three pieces, one of which was a premium piece. Um, we've seen trades in the past where, you know, something like this is probably three pieces with two of them being quote unquote premium pieces. I think that's fair for what Bertuzzi is as a player and the baggage, we'll call it, he comes with in terms of the complications of what he has because i think in this world we can never say anything's a safe assumption right now it's more likely than not that there won't be restrictions on him for next season uh, yeah if i had to put money down that's where i'd put it yeah now there's still a chance that there won't be restrictions on him for playoffs this year which is what a lot of teams are going to be interested in um but either way even if you're throwing this season out the window you're still getting a full year of Tyler Bertuzzi at worst, which is very, very, very valuable to a contender. He's still a near a point per game player. You look at the what Ben Schrott went for, the rumored price to be around Claude Giroux, who are these guys are like three, four month rentals, right? Um, so, you know, if you're going to, I'll use Toronto just because I know their system better than Pittsburgh or the Islanders. You're looking at a first round pick, Nick Robertson, and then either a mid-round pick or a half-assed prospect or a depth roster player. Yeah, and this is coming from um, <clears throat> the uh, Pagnotta. He, I think it mentioned that the price for Bertuzzi, it was quoted as similar to Mantha. And what they're looking for is a first, a good young player, yep. and another piece, whether that be a prospect or what have you. That absolutely tracks, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think like that, I think, I mean, hey, if you're taking that Sherratt deal as a benchmark, which no one will because that was an insane price to pay, but I think that's almost reasonable, right? Even with Bertuzzi not being able to play Canadian teams for the rest of this year, it's still reasonable. He's Tyler Bertuzzi, um, for the remainder of his contract, he has the rest of this season, and um, I hate when he gets sorted out of uh, <laughs> cat-friendly when he's not playing, the suspended without pay thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he has the rest of this season and next season at 4.75. <sighs> That's a steal for teams. 
And Detroit could retain. And Detroit could retain. And think of the price if they retain too. Like you, you think of like a Colorado or you think of a Pittsburgh and what they have and what they could offer and how tight they are on cap space. That is a massive ad for so little cap. Oftentimes teams have to take a big lump on a player because they know it's like, yeah, dollar per point or dollar per output, you're not going to really maximize value here, but you just want any little thing to stack up and try to push your team over the edge. Tyler Bertuzzi gives you longevity. He gives you another season, an opportunity to negotiate with him, fit him into your team, extend him, or at the very least, you keep him and trade him or keep him for another cup run. Like that is, you don't find Tyler Bertuzzi's on the market this year and you, Tyler Bertuzzi type players in this situation are hardly ever on the market. So I think it's a very reasonable price. No, it is. But then with all the pauses we just laid out, why would the Red Wings trade him? That's the thing, right? And I have reasons for it, but it's a very valid question. Like, so here's my thought. And and I, I land on closer to 50-50 than I may have in the past, but reasons to trade him. He's already 27. Uh, and that's still young. Like he'll be nearing or close to prime output. Um, he's playing the best hockey of his life. And so his value will probably never be higher. Additionally, though, he's had major back surgery and what have we seen over the past month other than the fact that the Red Wings are not close to being true competitors? They could do some things over this offseason and next um, to get into the playoff window, sure. But then are they really pushing for a cup? And it's not an easy question to answer, but what will bring you more value? Keeping Tyler Bertuzzi to try to make the most of those, you know, maybe playoff runs, but by the time you're truly cup competitive, he'll be like, what, 32? Or you deal him out, you find a way to turn him into like Aturatu, Beauvillier, first round picks, whatever you want. It's a different story. Like, let's say, let's say you think the Red Wings are true cup competitors in six years. Then you think of you trade him now. You the first round pick, let's say, or a, a piece you get who's like sub twenty three. The pick you get, you've got five years to get that person in the NHL and be a premium piece of your team. That's very excellent. And the premium AHL player who you think will be top six forward, defenseman, whatever, they'll be 27 in their prime. And like you're you're likely to be able to get one or two of those guys on an ELC while you're competing for the cup, which is massive, massive in terms of building a cup competitive team. Yeah, if we're talking six years before the Red Wings are really, truly competing. Well, it won't be less. For a Stanley Cup, then it's an automatic in my mind. You have to try to trade them while you can. The the votes against are, he's obviously one of the most liked, like loved guys on this team. Like, especially in the dressing room, look how hyped he is for every time the Red Wings score a goal and look how much his teammates love him. He plays a kind of heart and soul game that, is the glue for a team. He would run through a wall for his teammates and we see him almost literally do it every game. And the guy produces maybe a little bit less lately. I think uh, that that Guelph line has really quieted down and his output has dropped because of it. But we've seen what he's been able to do and those guys aren't easy to come by. And and this is something that um, Max Boltman mentions quite a bit uh, when we talk about this thing is you can't just get rid of every good player on your roster, right? You can't just get rid of every guy who can play. And the moment you have something special, you try to turn him into something else. Like there's a little bit of that family guy. Like you take the boat, or you take the mystery box to try to get a boat thing going on. And, and I, 
I fall more in line of in this specific case with Bertuzzi because of the age, et cetera. I prefer to deal. I prefer to make the trade to maximize the assets. Um, but it's not cut and dry for those reasons that I stated in my mind. And the one thing I never see anybody talk about because it's an unpleasant conversation, but it needs to be had, is Tyler Bertuzzi actually this good? This is the only season of his career at 27 years old where he's even flirted with a point per game. He did most of that this year uh, at Dylan Larkin's hip. And then since he's been moved to the second line, they had a really hot streak, but have been fairly unimpressive for a longer period of time. So is Tyler Bertuzzi Mark Stone, where as he gets older, he just keeps getting better and better and better and better? Or is he just an advocator and he was propped up a little bit and turned out turns out he wasn't the player, but he thought he was. I think the abdicator comparison, I, I understand. I'm not saying he's that bad. I'm yeah. just saying it's the timing of everything, the riding the better players coattails. Not saying like it's a one to one, but like in terms of he's at his peak value now. Don't you don't pay him out now. I think his true talent is closer to right now, what he's doing right now, than maybe we'd give him credit for because of the timing. I think injuries. I think we give him credit for. I'm saying the other side of the argument's not talked about all that often. No, yeah. But I I actually don't think it matters because I think most people will agree. This is is the peak Tyler Bertuzzi, and that's not an insult. He's been unreal. But I think that matters more than anything else, because even if you think the Red Wings can turn it around in three to five years, which is optimistic, but, you know, look at Chicago. They turn it around really quickly. It can be done. Mm-hmm. So if you think the Red Wings are competing for a cup in even three to four years, is 30-year-old Tyler Bertuzzi as good as 27-year-old Tyler Bertuzzi? That's a hell of a question to ask, because he could be exactly as good he could be 75 percent as good and as we've seen with other players in the aging curve he could be 50 percent as good and if you think that he is not going to be anywhere near what he is now yeah you you max out now you cash out while you're ahead he'll get a tribute video probably <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely would get a tribute video you think he wouldn't what is he one uh a uh, Calder Cup championship and, okay, uh, Grand Rapids and a playoff MVP. Night. <laughs> He's getting a tribute video, man. And I, you know what? We're going to go to that game. So you have to sit there and watch it. Uh, no. I, you know what? I don't think anyone gave a shit about tribute videos until Andrew Raker tweeted about it. I'm sorry. You think I saw that? Yeah, 100% yeah. you did. No, I didn't. Because you're a boomer. The only person you follow is Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> Former Leafs who are between the ages of 50 and 75. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I see a fit, right? Like, I think when the Islanders came out, everyone was saying Barzell, Barzell. And I, <laughs> who in the, no. But I think, like, that's the, ex- like, that that's like saying Larkin. Like, when people say. If you Barzell must- was on the table, you're throwing Bertuzzi plus yesterday. Um, <laughs> and it's like the name that, it's what teams do. You're a homer, you want the other team's best player, you don't want to give up much. Anyhow. Yeah. But really, you look at the Islanders' pieces, and they have guys like Beauvillier, and they have guys like Aturatu. Although, what hand is Noah Dobson? Right. Damn it! <laughs> no, Every we, dive. we talked about this last time, though. Is the Red Wings' right D as strong as we think? And the answer is probably no. So here's for what it's worth, because 
We live in a Red Wings bubble, and because of it, our opinions are always generally shitty about other teams because we don't follow them closely, nor should we, nor that should any fan have any detailed knowledge about the New York Islanders farm system. So when I saw this rumor (laughs) came out, I went to Islanders writers, Islanders Twitter. I wanted to see what the Islanders take was. And I did see Dobson's name brought up more than a few times by Islanders fans in this trade. Yeah. Didn't see Barzell. Weird. How that works out, but I did. I saw Wallstrom. I saw Dobson. I saw Picks. Obviously, didn't see Ratu. Didn't see Barzell. You think about Matt Barzell the same way you think about Dylan Larkin. Like, it does not matter. Like at some point, the logical arguments go out the window when you're talking about the figurehead, like the leader of your team. That's a team that just lost Tavares. You know, within recent memory, they're not going to then ship out Barzell. Also, Barzell is infinitely better than Tyler Bertuzzi. That's not a he's trade a, that's going to happen. He's a very good player. I think he's had a couple down years, no? Yeah, because well, he plays on the Islanders. Yeah. Anyway. You know, the offensive juggernaut that is the New York Islanders. Um, Still, like there, there's opportunity here where something like the Islanders makes sense or again, Hey, Pittsburgh, like that makes sense. And especially with Detroit's capacity to retain salary, like the only Colorado's probably in on it. They're in on everybody. Yeah. If they're in on Giroux and they're not asking about Patrick Kane, then yeah, they're also asking about Tyler Bertuzzi for sure. Pittsburgh's the one that concerns me because I don't love anything of what they would have to offer. They've got a very weak farm system. They don't have any particularly good young players on the roster that they could part with. Can't have many picks left. Yeah. Even if like if you're They have pick- the next three first round picks oh, and the really? next three seconds. And yeah. you probably need wow. two of those to get Bertuzzi out of Pittsburgh because they don't have the prospects or the young players worthwhile. There's I think the Islanders are are pretty interesting. Like those picks would be really interesting because it depends on Islanders will be betting on themselves if they're trading for a Tyler Bertuzzi. God, I would almost take the Islanders 2023 first round pick straight up. Right. That, that as long as it's not first. lottery protected. Lottery protection is becoming a little bit more common. And for those who don't know, lottery protection is you say, I'll trade you like the 2023 first we'll round pick. This year's if it's protected and then you get next year's first. Yeah. But, but by pick. protection is they'll designate an X number of picks. Often it's like three or five. And if that pick is in the top x amount of picks then you flip to the option which is the next year's first round pick or whatever they decided the condition yeah (laughs) so whatever we have to do to get as many unprotected 2023 first round picks as possible again yeah like that's not a bad plan at all especially since the islanders probably want to get better because you look at the islanders contract situation they are not in a position to rebuild and they are having a disastrous year they are probably more likely to push their chips in than to start selling the farm. So it makes sense that they would be interested in Bertuzzi um, because he helps them next year crawl out of the hole that they're in. But the Islanders are a prime candidate to not get better. So if you can get their first round pick, that could be a really good pick. They're not close to the playoffs right now. No, they're not. They're two points ahead of the Red Wings. They have three games in hand, but you know they would have to pass Columbus and one of Washington or Boston to get into a wildcard spot. So the, like you said, the next year part of it is what's attractive. And hey, that's what makes Bertuzzi a good fit. So also, it's worth noting though, because, you know, rumors are fun, but Lou Lamorello leaks nothing. The Islanders were one of the teams that came out and said they have a full vax policy, which is why Bodie Wild got banished to Scandinavia. 
gotta be skeptical of uh that's fair of well, their interest Sarah's too long <laughs> uh, okay unironically maybe yes I wasn't joking no yeah. he, he actually would have to cut it it drives me nuts man I know it's so archaic and stupid but. Yankees bullshit I can't stand that if it it's so funny because everything you hear about Lula Morel is like he's the nicest guy when you meet him like he just wants to talk about you your family get to know you it's just old school he, and then as soon as it's like all and it's like business, it's like old school IBM early years, like yeah, yeah. suit and tie, clean shaven, everything. Man, I look like an idiot with a clean shaven face. Like I couldn't do it. Me too. It's horrible. I look like such a dummy. Yeah. Like Brad, you your beard has grown out, but I remember still like early when we started the podcast. You like your face was like you kept it pretty clean shaven, and it suited you. Like you. It suited you. For me, it's like... I don't have the time to shave every morning anymore. I, I can't. I look like a big, dumb baby. So, I'm sorry, Lou. I can't play Imagine if you. the Islanders and players took that accumulated time having to shave and keep their hair <laughs> trim and proper to practicing and being good. Hey, man. They were overproducing as of last season. Have you seen Kyle Palmieri in the Islanders on the ice? in a jer- It's unnerving. Yeah, it is a little odd. It's eh? horrible. How did Nick Letty play for that team? I don't know. That's, I don't know, man. Some Light cannot escape his beard. No, it's like a, yeah, <laughs> that thing is dense. Yeah. You could not get a comb through it. Anyhow, um, we've done enough speculating. And like you said, Brad, the trade rumors are fun, which is why it's easy to get out of hand. But let's also give credence to the other side of this. It's going to be hard to trade Bertuzzi for the obvious reasons. And do the Red Wings even want to? Because if they don't get the right price, they're not going to force the issue. What I want is your prediction. Does Tyler Bertuzzi get moved? Yes or no? This trade deadline. If it, if it weren't Steve Eisman, I would say this is an easy no. Um, but it is Steve Eisman, so I'll say probably not. I wouldn't bet on it. No. Okay. There's too many complications between his back, the vaccination status, the fact that Eisman's not going to lower his asking price because of those things. It's... If Eisenman gets a really good return for Bertuzzi in the next few days, that would be his finest work. I'm going to say no for the same reason. Eisenman is going to hold out. I, I would imagine Eisenman wants max value. You don't really shave value significantly off the top of a player like Tyler Bertuzzi because of how good he is. And he's one of those guys where you can look what he got from Mantha, right? I know the contract situation was a little different. So I don't see a team ponying that up as of right now. And I would think that Eisenman would then hold, see what changes either on Bertuzzi's end or the mandate end um, and try again next year. That said, now that all three of us said no, it is absolutely going to happen. So stay glued to Twitter. So the one argument I have kind of against myself here on this one is even if the vaccine mandates don't lift, um, you still get, let's just say, half of the games of Tyler Bertuzzi plus next season. Whereas if you trade him in the summer, you only get next season. So his value is still higher now than it would be in the summer because, you know, even if he can only play the home games for Pittsburgh or whoever, it could still happen. Also, it's probably worth noting this never happens because the NHL is fun and boring. You could trade uh, Bertuzzi to the Islanders after the deadline. But then he couldn't play in the playoffs. Exactly. It, you can trade after the deadline. They are just not eligible for the playoffs. So if it is a 
team that does not care about the playoffs, like the Red Wings and the Islanders, it could still happen. It's never happened, and I don't think it ever will happen because the NHL's no fun. Sorry, it hasn't happened at a significant scale like this. Yeah, like, they've made my very minor deals in the past. Oh yeah, this uh, undraft, this uh, college pending UFA, we're going to trade his rights to whoever because yeah, like that kind of stuff's happened. But yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. I I think it's. Uh, I was a little surprised to see that so many teams were asking now. Part of me thinks it's a like. Hey, it's trade deadline. We need whatever news we can. And part of me is like, hey, it's trade deadline. If you're a team, you're considering more options than what you thought coming in because as players come off the board, you start to panic a little bit. So uh, let's see what happens on that front. And uh, let's talk about some other big names. Um, There was a rumor coming out of Vancouver, actually. Basically, some people who are close uh, to the Vancouver organization, as well as Troy Stetcher, got word that, um, and this is all, you know, supposed supposedly that uh troy stetcher is expecting to be moved before monday's deadline or at least by monday's deadline i thought i thought you said we're getting other big names names uh from the red wings who are more likely to be moved than not yeah i mean stetcher's a better player than i think he's gotten credit for in detroit especially from the coaching staff but he's been a healthy scratch he's had injury troubles he hasn't showed particularly well this year since he's come back from injury it makes sense to trade him. He doesn't seem to have a future with the team. I don't think that trade return will be anything significant at all, which, spoiler, is going to be a theme yeah. going forward here. If that's a fourth, I'll be kind of surprised. If it's a fourth, I'm thrilled. Yeah, he has. he's expiring uh, an expiring contract. He's making 1.7. Detroit wouldn't even have to retain on that. The two things that Stetcher has going for him are one of the things you just said, he's only cost 1.7, which the cash strap teams will appreciate. And he shoots right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Hey, if he can do what he did for Detroit at the beginning of last season on another team, especially on a cup run, why not? So, Oh, and that was the Vancouver play by play guy who apparently um, that's where the news is coming from. Let's talk about, let's start with Nick Letty to stay on defense. Nick Letty, who sensed that the trade deadline was coming and has been playing his best hockey pretty much all season over the past few games. Um, I think as guys like, you know, Sherratt's off the board, got a big price. We don't really know what's happening with Chicker, and I don't think the the injury is going to complicate the trade as much as people feared, but he's still kind of a log jam. But what's going to happen with Nick Letty, and do you see him being moved for what price? Yes, and a slightly better mid-round pick. A third or a fourth is my prediction for Letty. I think if the offer is a third or a fourth, I don't think the Red Wings move him. From what I've heard, the Red Wings aren't interested in moving him at a low price like that, and that they would rather keep him for the value of having somebody halfway competent on the left side. How Dare you besmirch the good name of Mark Stahl? Hey, I'm just saying, Stahl, Edvinson, Letty, left side, that's cop caliber right there. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, the Red Wings gave up a second for Nick Letty. Like, that was a n- not an insignificant asset given up. I don't really think that trade has aged well. That's an obvious statement. I mean, he's the clubhouse leader at the Masters right now. So, yeah, obviously it hasn't aged well. Is that what's... Uh, I don't get it. He's dash 33 on the season leads oh the NA- my God. <clears throat> leads the nhl this guy's quick with it yeah. you and i are we're not fast enough to keep up with that 
But in, seriously, though, like the Red Wings gave up a second, and I'm sure that's probably on their mind. Like, we don't need to get rid of this guy. If he has interest in coming back, which it sounds like he does at the right price, he's probably not looking to make a ton. I think it, I think that I think it's more likely that a team is offering at best a fourth for Nick Letty. Eisman says no, brings him back for not as much as he's making right now, and uh, he provides veteran depth on the left side that hopefully looks better than what they've had this year. Yeah, my counterpoint to all that, which is all sound logical um, advice and thoughts, is he's been terrible he's not an asset to the red wings right now okay but what do people what do gms at the trade deadline think oh no i'm obviously like i'm hoping hey we just saw ben Chirot get a first round pick off reputation alone yeah Yeah, i do not understand why people are so gung-ho for ben Chirot. no like i don't think uh a third round pick for nick letty right now is crazy at all which Given the season he's had, I would otherwise say would be crazy. But reputation matters, and Nick Letty's got a hell of one, a hell of a good one around the league. So I do think he gets traded. I do think it will be for a round, a a third round pick. And if that is all that is offered, I take it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't hate Nick Letty for a third. Um, I almost agree. I almost agree though with, with that concept of if it's like a fourth or, you know, not worth it, then you may as well bring him back. I've not been thrilled with Nick Letty's play this year, but let's be real. Nick Letty's play got masked for a long time because Detroit was, had Danny DeKaiser on the left side with, with Moritz Sider. And has Letty been substantially better? No, but it's been less bad. And I think that's still what the Red Wings have to focus on with their decor for the next little while. So I'm kind of ambivalent. Like if it if they end up dealing him for a third, it's like, yeah, okay, you get a third out of it. You're going to have to find someone to step in on the left side in next offseason. Like you're going to have to find more than a warm body. So they have, let's just assume Edvinson and Osterley next year because Osterley is under contract and Edvinson all signs point to him being ready. Obviously that could change, but... They're probably going to want to go out and get someone half decent, a la an Ian Cole, as a guy I've had my eyes on, as a potential legitimately good left defenseman UFA. Mm-hmm. To me, that leaves room for one more left defenseman. Um, so if you had the choice right now and they were both willing to sign one-year pretty cheap deals, who do you bring back, Mark Stahl or Nick Letty? Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl would come cheaper. Nick Letty does a better job of doing things like moving the puck up the ice and I don't know. Yeah, but it's a clap bombs. That's true. It's, it's an, That's true. It's an awful stat, but Mark Stahl's plus minus is like 40 points better. You're, you're going to get ratioed for that one. People hate when you do that. No, I know. It's a <laughs> terrible, terrible stat, but it's it's by such a wide margin that it's at least noteworthy. But for the point you made, which is probably the most important one, Mark Stahl comes cheaper. So Letty then is the odd man out. If Mark Stahl we're talking about is like a significant amount cheaper, then yeah, because I almost... Again, I almost don't care, especially like if an Ian Cole comes in. Yeah. That fills the same function to me. Yeah. Then that fourth guy is just a warm body. And I think at this stage in his career, Mark Stahl is comfortable and good being just a guy. I don't think Letty's there yet. But based on performance this year, I don't think there's an appreciable difference between them. The good thing is, is there's lots of guys who are, you know, 
not that great anymore in the NHL. We can get for cheap. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Nick Letty is five years younger. Yeah, Let's if, ne- if neither of them come back, I'm fine with yeah. it. Um, but I don't think age matters in this hypothetical because neither is getting a long-term contract. You're just saying that because you're 34. Shut up. <laughs> but um, but no, no I, I would, yeah, yeah, I would I not give either of them more than a one-year contract, so it's irrelevant to me. Part of me is wondering how much I'm thinking of sunk cost fallacy here. Because the Red Wings did give up a good amount to get Letty. Like that was a sec it was a, it was just a second round pick straight up. Was that what it was? Yep. Um, and that wasn't cheap. And again, hasn't turned out to be great. But if the Red Wings get a second round pick back from him in the future, it's great. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, I would be so if if you downgrade a round or two for half a season of Nick Letty, that's not terrible. So yeah, we got him. We picked his brain. He helped Mo Sider. He helped Phil Peronic by whatever he knows about the NHL and the game of defense. Um, but yeah, so we we downgraded a couple of rounds to get that. Okay, fine. Yeah, and you know what? Now that I think about it more, I I still do think, based on my understanding of like the temperature around Nick Letty and the team, that they would prefer to bring him back if the price isn't right to trade him. I don't I don't have any idea what that right price is. Who knows? what's going on in Eisenman's mind. If it's a third and that's the right price, I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah, same. It's not moving the needle a lot in any direction, but it's still something. And you paid around again to to get Nick Letty for the year. Okay. Um, but I still, I'm just saying, don't be surprised if he does not get moved and returns for next season. I think we could say that just about everybody we're going to talk about. All right, let's get into Vlad Nemesnikov. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy who's most likely to be traded because he's the guy I've seen the least amount of rumors on. Yeah. He's going to be, we didn't get our first or second picks and we want to make sure we get someone who actually matters and has a name that people know before the deadline. I'm a coach of a playoff team. He's the guy I look, I would want because when something's not going right, he can play almost in any spot up and down the lineup. Like any position too. That's yeah. Like I just, if I'm a if I'm a coach and we're not going to go big game hunting, that's the first guy I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, it's he's been on the first line for the Red Wings, and that's some of it has been I think showcasing, and some of it I think you guys are right has just been because there's no one else there, and he can at least be there and not be a complete anchor. But yeah, he's an energy guy. He goes out and can play center. He can play the wing. He he can put pucks in when maybe no one else on your team can that game. He can kind of break through the ice that way. Um, He's well liked. It's hard because he loves Detroit so much, and Red Wings fans love him. And is he a UFA at the end of the year? Yeah, well, then come back. Come on, I know it's easier said than done. It doesn't happen as often as we talk about. But why? You I just don't know get why. an Airbnb for two months. <laughs> That's expensive. Airbnbs in Detroit have gotten very expensive. I meant like wherever he's going. I know I'm being an asshole. Um, call yeah. You think Colorado's any cheaper? No. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. No, it's. He is, uh, he can be a bread and butter guy. Like he can be a, make a difference on your third and fourth line on a cup run. He scores a couple key goals, goes out there and grinds it out and your team will appreciate him for it. And he's not going to cost you a lot. What's the return on Nemesnikov going to be? Third, fourth? The theme holds. It's not a lot. No, it's a mid round pick. Um, sorry, the, the, that's, the- that's expected. It's Steve Eisman we're talking about, so you're def- we're definitely liable to get something above that, but then that's oh, a big win. it straight up. Anyways, <laughs> um, the one thing that I've noticed with Nemesnikov, and again, we live in the Red Wings world, as do does everybody listening, and we're all guilty of it. 
be careful of hot streaks because we at the end of last season thought very much thought Adam Ernie was something he very obviously is not because of a hot streak. Nemesnikov has been ice cold for a while now. Say that after the deadline, man. What's wrong? I I know. Nobody's listening to this of any significance. <laughs> Evan listens on Bye this. Bye, sell low. Yeah, but Nick Letty, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nemesnikov had that that run earlier in the year. Uh, it was a little longer than a streak to give him credit, but it wasn't much longer than a streak. So if your thought process right now is, oh no, no, Nemesnikov's way too valuable to this team, we can't trade him. Oh no, I'm sorry, everybody's thinking that you're wrong. Is he a fan favorite? Absolutely. Should he be a fan favorite? Absolutely. Do we love the way he embraces Detroit? Absolutely. Are those all good reasons to have him as a Red Wing next year? Absolutely. You still trade him if you get a third or a fourth round pick and you don't think twice about it. That's that's the unfortunate truth of situations like this. And like Evan said, like not even in jest, if that's such a big difference where he matters to this team, you could, there's no rules against saying to him, like, who could ever prove this? More heavy tampering happens all the time. Hey, Vlad, we're sorry, but you're going to have a chance to go play on a potentially cup-winning team for a couple months here. Go out there, do your best. Uh, we'll talk to you July 1. Here's the money we'll give you. We'll, we'll tack on an extra hundred grand because, you know, you're a good sport about this and come back to Detroit. And if he does, we'll cover your living expenses in the new city by adding it to the next contract. Yeah. Yeah. And if he, if he, if he comes back, great. And if not like, okay, then that's, that's actually how it works almost all the time. Yeah. My whole pitch, if I was Eisenman is, Hey Vlad, we're going to send you away for a bit. Come back in July and show us your new ring. Yeah. Like, (laughs) honestly, like tell us a little bit what you know about what a cup winning team today is. Yeah. I mean, if he does end up coming back, like that's valuable experience, right? Like even if the, whatever team he goes to doesn't win the cup like he just got a window into what a potential winning organization and what the smell of that organization is we're, we're talking about him like he hasn't already played for tampa bay yeah Colorado. i was gonna say like, where are the rings where are the rings <laughs> um but yeah it, it's it's you're you can't draw the line at vlad nemeskov have we just kind of talked you know, I had a hundred, hundred feet of depth about all the different ways you could trade Tyler Bertuzzi. You can't wax poetic about Vladimir Mesnikov and keep him on just for the feels. Yeah. You want to, but you can't. Yeah. Like the, the definite theme of this entire conversation, once we get past Tyler Bertuzzi is, Hey everyone, all these guys that we're going to hyper obsess over the next four days about aren't actually all that good in the grand scheme of the NHL. So temper expectations into trade returns and don't get too attached to them because if they're not that valuable to other teams, it means they're not that valuable to the Red Wings. I'm sorry it sucks and it's harsh because I like Nick Letty. I, I like Vlad Domestikov. I like Troy Stetcher. But this is the sad reality of being a bad team. Fans have a completely different perspective than like... Or GMs, GMs yeah. or anyone in the thousand percent because fans well, should at least fans definitely come at it mostly with their heart and being passionate. Whereas obviously the people in the head of the organization are passionate about the team and and winning, but they definitely are more objective in their talent evaluation than most fans. Look all at, fans, I would say. Look at Steve Eisenman. Why did you uh, Why did you buy out Justin Abdicator? I uh, thought we can come 
get someone to come in and do better for cheaper. He said that almost word for word. Yeah. It's very cold. Yeah, it is. You you can love a player and still love a trade. You know who one of my favorite Red Wings of the last 10 years is? Anthony Mantha. Would I make that trade again? In a heartbeat. <laughs> who was one of your other favorite players? Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, who was Gu- one of your other favorite Gus players? Gustav Nyquist. Tomash Tittart. The only one of those trades that I would say didn't work out all that well was probably Nyquist. You, you redo the other three. No questions asked. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here uh, because I need to take a second to tell you that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There are so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Uh, They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, and they're a ton of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win your first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get that grand back in site credit. Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's promo code WWP on FanDuel Sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-979, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay, so... We've talked about Vlad Meskov. Um, just to kind of finalize, the expectation is that he's moved. Um, less certain about him. Oh, just because really? he is such a fan favorite and versatile. Um, I, I could see the logic to not trading him and extending him. I would not personally take that approach. I love the idea of at least trading him and trying to bring him back in the offseason. That is the right answer there, but like we've said way easier said than done yeah i don't know on on him because you've literally heard no noise which isn't always an indication that there's nothing in the works but with with stevie it's an indication of the opposite yeah yeah so i don't know if i'm just putting my gm cap on um i think there has to be a team out there for him unless i'm just completely way out on left field by myself here i would say he gets moved what the return is mid-round pick yeah i agree i think he gets moved and i think half the reason we don't hear much is because a it's steve eisman and he's an iron vault um fun fact they actually uh there's no guards left at fort knox it's just steve eisman guarding it um but b i, I think you're not hearing a lot of noise on domestico for what i mentioned earlier he's not choice one or often even choice two for the teams who are going to be making moves for that kind of player but he's still on the list right he's who you look at sunday afternoon monday morning to say okay you know we didn't get Giroux, we didn't get bertuzzi call it we didn't get uh, ricard raquel whoever you want to think of we now have to look at a guy who can still make a difference for this team because we cannot come into the playoffs when you know X, Y, and Z conference rivals have improved this much. So 
I still think he gets moved. And one other point before we move on here is when we talk about returns and we say mid-round pick, like high pick, low pick, whatever, it's just the easiest way to equate it because there are infinite amount of configurations. You, you work in like contract dumps. You can work in whatever random AHL player to offset value. You look at salary retention. You get two in the weeds and two specific. Um, there's no real point in doing all that. So when we say like third round pick, think third round pick or equivalent value. That's what that's essentially what we're saying. It's also worth noting, um, I mentioned earlier about Letty in that trade. It wasn't Letty for that second straight up. It was Letty for uh, Edmonton second and Richard Ponick half salary retained. Right. I forgot about the salary retained part. Okay. Um, So those in my mind are the Red Wings that are most likely to be traded, but by no means is that the full extent of the list. I mean, we make our jokes about Mark Stahl and, you know, yeah, he's a rock star and he's actually, in all seriousness, been a pleasant surprise for the Red Wings, both in terms of like fandom and performance. But his performance isn't going to go unnoticed. And teams care about veteran depth. And teams care about guys who look like... His last name is Stahl. Oh, God. It's worth a round in and of itself. Man. Played a thousand games in the NHL. That's ridiculous. If I'm a team who needs defense and has nobody on my team who's ever been there and done that, Mark Stahl is a guy I'm asking about. The only thing is, is I think the teams that are true contenders have better defensemen already than Mark Stahl. Toronto? I think maybe. <laughs> I think they do, but that doesn't matter, right? Like they're they're not asking to go out there and play first round minutes. They're asking them they're asking him to make a difference in the room and to work in the margins. And that matters to teams, whether you think it should or not, that matters to GMs and it matters to coaches and it matters to players. Look at uh look at the Red Wings social media team like the extra video content that they put out, which is all excellent by the way. Um Look at like there's a one where they come and walk off the ice and they like talk about players or they say like which player is most likely to do this or describe like those player with two words. Yeah, it's like the Bristol board. Yeah, it's like a prompt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at how they talk about Mark Stahl. They love that guy in the room. That makes a difference. And that GMs, old school GMs love. Oh, dude, new school GMs would love that. You think Kyle Dubas wouldn't wouldn't absolutely love to have Mark Stahl on his team for cheap right now? Just, just for the vibes. I'm, I'm, I'm almost not even kidding when I say that. What is the draft equivalent value of good vibes? I'm saying it's at least a fifth, right? It's not lower than that. The vibes are worth a fifth, and then whatever on ice production bumps it up from there. Mark Stahl's expiring contract. He's got a no move clause, so that would have to be waived. But there's this. I, I can see a situation here where a team doesn't want to spend a world of assets. And they come knocking on Detroit's door and say, hey, Mark Stahl is probably worth this round pick, let, let's say fifth. I'll give you a fourth or I'll give you this prospect. You retain a little bit of that salary for us to help ease it. I, I could honestly see that happening. Mark Stahl can nix it, but What's, I can see that What happening. does he make right now? Two mil. Oh, okay. It's, it's so workable. I was running through a lot of the playoff teams in my head and I was not coming up with many good answers as to teams that I think would be a good fit for Mark Stahl or who would be interested or even make any sense. And then I stumbled on one that actually does Hmm. the Rangers. (laughs) That would be funny because he'd be great because he would wave to go back there. Oh, a thousand percent. And they have a need at defense. Yeah. He's another one where I don't think he should be discounted. The reality is, and, and this news comes out every year, 
It's been indicated to the league from Eisman. The Red Wings are open for business. The Untouchables are essentially Raymond Insider. You can add Larkin in there because it would take a King's Ransom plus another King's Ransom to pry away the captain. And you, you only, it's hard to get centermen. So it's probably not going to happen. Um, so you have to consider guys like Mark Stahl in there. I haven't heard anything on him, but he's, he's cropping up on lists and much like Nick Letty, I think even to a bigger degree, his play of late has been, um, has been amplifying that. And that again, that recency bias, that's just not, it's not just for us normies that that matters for pro scouts and GMs too. They get fooled. Slash they care about, you know, what have they done recently just as much as the rest of the... the I'd family. rather take a player who's on a hot streak now than one who was on one at 15 games into the season. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. On that note, I think we've run through the likely or at least discussed Red Wings candidates to be moved. Let's talk about the rest of the team. Are there... And oh, who am I kidding? Thomas Grice. Because he's actively being shopped mid-round pick. I don't care if it's a late-round pick for Thomas Grace. No, yeah, please, God. Calvin Pickard's probably an upgrade at this point. You move him for anything. No one on the Red Wings has been doing enough in terms of goaltending where you're going to miss him. You keep Ned because he's young. He has another year, and you've seen him play at a high level. But for Grace, he's 36. He's expiring. He makes 3.6. He can retain money if you want. Uh, teams are going through goalie injury, either goalie trouble or goalie injury. So you think of Edmonton and Toronto. You think of you know Dallas whoever it might be, whether you need a backup or God help you a starter trade Grice for whatever. The only thing that's saving Thomas Grice's trade value right now is when you look around the league outside of Marc-Andre Fleury, the goalies that are available are by and large also terrible. And is Marc-Andre Fleury going to wave? Yeah. Uh, Corpus Allo, been terrible. Martin Jones, terrible. If I'm a team looking for a goalie, I'm going for Georgiev right now. He's been bad this year. Yeah, but you've seen him be good, and he's 26 years old, right? You know who else seems to be good? Grice. And age doesn't matter right now. I would say the younger he is, the bigger disadvantage you're at right now if you're looking for a rental. Goalies are fake anyways. Yeah. It's all it doesn't matter. bullshit magic. Yep. Like, I Toronto's current starting goalie I'd never heard of before two weeks ago. Man, they're getting firmly just the butt end of the, uh, the Peter Morazic experience, eh? Yeah, welcome. Well, I mean... We used to get the other side of it. What happened? Their current goaltending strategy is maybe Bennington can. It's a Bennington type run. Oh God! Maybe it's, please. This ECHL guy might not be terrible. You have to. Fe- Sorry, you don't have to feel bad. I'll feel bad for Leafs fans. They think Michael Bunting is the Calder winner outright. <laughs> Leaf fans can suck it. Isn't he older than Thomas Grice? Yes. <laughs> He's older than his line mate who's been in the NHL for six years. Anyways. And that one isn't even a joke. No, that's literal. He's he's older than Austin Matthews. Yeah, Thomas Grice is also one. The only thing weirder than goalies and their playoff runs is, you know, trying to predict goalies at trade deadline. The market for them is is bizarre. Do the best ones always get traded? No. Do the ones you expect to get traded always get traded? No. Do the automatic ones where you're like, yeah, this guy requested a trade. The team says we're trading him at any given cost. Do they even always get moved? No. I could see it happening. And if it doesn't, you can't be surprised. It's it's a toss-up. Trading for a goalies, teams are hesitant to do it. And I don't necessarily blame them. It's hard to do. 
Okay, so that is the Red Wings where we've heard something or we think there's there's some likelihood of them being moved. Let's talk about the rest of the team. Yeah, you have the untouchables, Raymond and Sider. What if someone comes knocking for Zadina? What if someone comes knocking for Pew Suter? We haven't talked about it in a while because the guy's been a blast, but Jacob Verana, one of the first things I thought when they brought him in is, hey, Jacob Verana's, you know, he's 26 years old right now. He's well-rested. He's well-rested, and he's on a pretty friendly deal at 5.25 for the next two seasons considering his output. I don't think this is as much of a question right now because of his massive shoulder surgery, which he's barely back from, but you can't discount the idea that Verona moves sometime within the next like 18 months, right? 18 months. If we're putting it that big a window. Yeah. I don't think it's happening this year. I, I think it's a possibility. I, I just don't think it's a big one for this deadline. No, no. The sh- shoulder surgery alone is going to scare off most teams. And he's riding between the end of last season. And since he's come back, the heater to end all heaters, like teams are aware that his value is going to be, insanely high for a pretty big question mark and a pretty small sample size. You mean he's not going to score a goal per game for the Red Wings? (laughs) Only when it matters. (laughs) I think the only way you really move Verona is if you get a Mantha type return, which is ironic because he was part of the Mantha return. Um, And I don't know that a team is going to do that right now based on what you just said, Brad, unless they're willing to bet that this is the real Verona and they think that this is a steal on his value, but I would imagine you keep Verona longer and then you make the decision. Does he factor into your, your rebuild, rebuilding your turnaround, or do you want to deal him down the line when he has a little bit more under him and behind him in terms of productive games? Usually don't just turn around a guy you just traded for unless the deal is too good to yeah. pass up. And there is still some logic too. You got to keep some good players. I think there's room to trade one of Verona and or Bertuzzi, but not both both means you are starting the rebuild over not starting over but you are adding back on the years that raymond insider shaved off to put it roughly minimum um it depends on the return but yeah it it, it's also like this is a trade deadline preview podcast like we are this episode is all about trades we're going to talk about trading all these guys not all of them are going to happen and yet you can't just trade all your good players Think of the difference between Dylan Larkin last year and Dylan Larkin now. Last year's Dylan Larkin was depressed, man. It was, it was to the point where he was like, I don't even want to go to the All-Star game. Like, I'm too tired and beat up well, and sad. nobody does, but... And then this year, he's like pumped to go. He's wearing the shades. Yeah, wh- where was it last year? Where was it this year? New Vegas. Yeah, it doesn't matter where it was last year. <laughs> Evan, Evan is just getting down to the brass tacks here. He's like, we all know why. Everyone else is in Cabo or somewhere sweet, and then you got to go to Columbus? If we are uh, if and we, work, if we recorded this podcast in Vegas, Evan would never once ever be anything other than five minutes early. Every episode. You would never see me. What do you mean? We'd never, I'm, you'd see me walk out of my hotel room and that's the last time you'd ever see me. <laughs> it's like the hangover, but without a resolution. Yes. We'll find you. And no clues. <laughs> no clues. We'll find There'd you. Be no zero. Clues. There'd be no clues of my disappearance just so I had one it. But you know he, what? He'd. He'd have the craziest bender of his life and end up as one of the mole people who lives in the tunnel under Vegas. Being the crab people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, who else comes to your to mind for you when you think of guys who other teams might potentially be interested in? Who Suter? Yeah, it's hard sell though, right? The Red Wings only have so many guys who can play center. Fabry. So hard. do other teams. 
Shut up with your logic, Evan. <laughs> you make a good point. I don't think the gap between Suter and Nemesnikov is big enough for the Red Wings to really consider that. In terms of return? In terms of return and, you know, Suter's younger and cost-controlled. So if a team comes calling looking for a middle six center, you we'll sell, take Sam Gerard. Yeah, yeah, sell Nemesnikov before you sell Suter. I'm not really – like no one else strikes me. I don't think people are going to be trading for – Giovanni Smith. I don't think people are going to be trading for Sam Gagne. If you're- there's there's <laughs> nothing else, man. It's bleak. Don't I know? I know you're looking, saying, yeah, maybe, and it's it's bad, man. Well, see, now that you said that, a depth player is going to get traded. Oh, probably. And Did we talk about Veronic? And it's going to be for this a seventh. It's going to be for a seventh round pick, and nobody's going to care or remember in a month. Okay, so my last point here about the Red Wings specifically, we'll talk a little bit about the rest of the league. Ben Sherratt got this return is Ben Sherrod good no okay because I do not understand why everyone has been talking about getting Ben Sherrod for what seems like half the season he his he had a half decent playoff run with Montreal because Montreal Didn't he score deep. a game winner in overtime or something maybe I don't know doesn't matter he's better than the analytics show well, everyone on Montreal, everybody. But the analytics show he might be one of the worst players in the league, so that's not saying much. I think Jay Fresh's player cards has him listed at a 0%. Mm. So even if he's significantly better than that, it still means he could be one of the 25% worst players in the league. For for context for the listeners and the viewers here, Ben Chirot from the Montreal Canadiens defenseman uh, was traded to the Florida Panthers at 50% salary retained, so $1.75 million total going to Florida, in exchange for uh, Ty Smolanik, who was pick number... Oh, Wasn't he fifth? Or I'm thinking of somebody else. 74th overall in the third round in 2020 by Florida. Um, in addition to Ty, it was a 2022 fourth round pick, which has conditions on it. It's from the Rangers and a 2023 first round pick that is top 10 protected in the event that the Panthers uh, keep that protected pick. They will no longer own their 2023 first round pick. Um, And Montreal would instead get their 2024 first round pick. So if it's not, yeah, it's a weird. Something tells me Florida is not going to be in the bottom of the 10 of the league. Safe bet. Yeah, so there's a, there's different conditions here. So if, if the Panthers retain their 2022 first, they end up keeping or they they lose their 2023 first, which means Montreal gets a 2024 first. Anyways, it's a it's a first, a fourth, and Ty Smolenic for Ben Sherratt. That's an overpay for Ben Sherratt as a rental. Even that's a team who's saying we think we're close to the cup. We're willing to pay too much to try to push us over the hump. I personally disagree with that even making the difference, and I personally personally disagree with that gambit. But yeah, that that's Florida's thought there. Nobody gives a shit if you win the cup, but they're really making a big guess. Florida's in the perfect position right now to push all their chips in. Their team is young, good, ready to contend for the cup. The picks and all that don't mean a whole hell of a lot to them right now. They shouldn't mean nothing, but... Yeah, they're they're the team that can trade first round picks right now, but not for Ben Sherratt. My God, this is all that's a straight reputation trade. So Ben Sherratt, based on like the hype around defenseman this this trade deadline and hype around him, which is kind of bizarre, got that return. How old is Ben Sherratt? 
And then Josh Manson, who, in my opinion, is a better defenseman, somehow got a second-round pick in the mediocre prospect in Drew Hellison. Ben Sherratt will be 31 soon. Philip Hronick, he shoots right as opposed to Sherratt's left. Philip Hronick's 24. He's making $4.4 million for the next two seasons after this one. If Ben Sherratt got that... Either Philip Peronik's not good or the asking price is too high or we just know nothing. Or maybe Philip Peronik never had a cup run on Shea Weber's pairing. Also true. Remember Mark Mathot when he played with Eric Carlson? Everyone yeah. thought he was it was Bonnie and Clyde. Whenever I think of him, I think of his fingertip hanging off when Crosby slashed him. Yeah. Have you ever seen the video he posted on his Twitter? It was like, this is why people... Or this is what I tell people when they say, why are you not coming back? And he like does like a squat and his knee sounds like a pop, like a plastic pop can. If you were to like press it in and try and smush it, it was disgusting. It's like your body. Your body makes a lot of weird noises. Yeah, but it sounds like a grinding, like bone on bone. Yeah, there's Uh, no. But yeah, his finger falling off is also extra disgusting. Philip Ronick. I'm not advocating to move one of Detroit's only minute-eating defensemen. I am not saying you have to move Philip Peronik at all costs, and I'm not saying he can't be part of this rebuilt team. What I am saying, though, is if this is the price for defensemen right now, you scale Ben Schrott to Philip Peronik in terms of performance. Models don't love Philip Peronik, and honestly, there have been points over the past three seasons where I've been thinking – Philip Peronik's ceiling has gotten lower and lower. Like he's not a top pairing defenseman. That's 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 done and gone, right? Yes. That payment for Sherratt is as if he was a top pairing defenseman. You have to think Peronik's better, or at least could by some GMs be perceived to be better. You get that price, you have to pull the trigger. That's just my opinion. Oh, they definitely should pull the trigger. But I think this Sherratt trade's broken the market because this doesn't exist in the rest of the market and i don't know how to explain that because josh manson is objectively a better defenseman than ben Sherratt, but he only went for a second round pick and an okay prospect i can't this was i don't even understand the Sherratt situation because it's been all season this guy's gonna get a first at the deadline this guy's gonna get a first and they Nobody was saying it about anybody else. It was always the Ben Sherratt show, despite Ben Sherratt historically being just okay and this season being bad. And he gets that return. Like, it makes no sense to me. So, yes, obviously, if a team is willing to offer something like that for Philip Peronik, you'd do it in a heartbeat. Again, the argument here, you need to keep some players. It's going to be hard to replace those minutes. It's a lot of minutes. Yeah, You're essentially yeah. then committing to playing more outside or 27 minutes a night at age 22. Over the last couple of years, Phil Peronik is obviously one of the biggest disappointments on the Red Wings in terms of development because we... We the, thought the world of him. Yeah, and it, it just hasn't happened. It's not even that he's gotten worse. It's just that he hasn't progressed like you would have thought a 22-year-old at the time would have. Which is fine. He's still an okay middle pair defenseman. If the Red Wings are ever good, he's probably a really good bottom pairing guy. And that's fine. You need guys like that. Mm-hmm. There's value to that. But the value of a first round pick and a pretty good prospect is higher than that. And, and that's all it really comes down to is should Eisenman be shopping Philip Peronik? No. 
No, he's not picking up the phone and calling other GMs going, hey, Hronik's here. No, but if another team goes, Stevie, we're in a pinch. We need a right-handed defenseman badly. Uh, Troy Stetcher's not that good. We know you're not trading Cider. You know, Lindstrom's whatever. Can we talk about Hronik? Steve Eisman should be saying, absolutely, we can talk about him. Update from Frank Saravalli. Sounds like the Red Wings plan to sit Nick Letty tonight against Vancouver uh, for protection ahead of a likely trade. Same goes if if he's not moved by then for the Seattle game on Saturday. So yeah, that makes total sense and it's perfectly understandable. You want to protect. The, I, all I can think of is Mike Green breaking his literal <laughs> neck in the year where he might have gotten a first or a second round pick in return. So and I think there was even calls from the fans to sit him. I remember that people. I I remember vividly seeing a lot of tweets on Twitter that night saying essentially, "Do you see?" <laughs> The literal glass cannon. Oh my God, that guy was—he was feast or famine in terms of emotion. Like I remember when we saw him score a hat trick. Oh, we were in that building. It was crazy. What are the odds we've been to two home openers that featured hat tricks? It's the hype. It's the fans feeding it, right? <laughs> Had we gone this year, that would have been uh, Bertuzzi's four goal game, right? Oh my God! Yeah. Wow. Oh my. This Bend is the a, over on home for openers. the Red Wings. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah, so it looks like a lot of what I said about maybe Letty staying if they don't get the right price. It, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's definitely staying, right? Hey, well, it sounds it. like there's Enough teams interest. calling and the price is worth the protection. It's talking about Ben Schrott, circling back to Nick Letty. Reputation matters. It does. And Mark Stahl? If, look, you're right, Brad. Sherratt broke the market. Like that despite how stupid GMs can be, they're going to look at that and go, okay, yeah, Florida paid that, but no one else is going to realistically pay it. Everyone thinks that's an overpay. But what they will do is, okay, I'll pay a little more. Okay, Sherratt's off the board. I'll, I'll pay a little more. Okay, someone ponied up for Chikrin or he's too hard to get traded. I'll pay a little more for Nicoletti. I'll pay a little bit more for... for- I, don't, I don't think it happens, but it's worth asking because of Sherratt breaking the damn market. Is there a reality... Where Eisenman gets the second round pick back for Letty. I think I know I know it's not likely, and I know you said earlier that it's probably not gonna happen. I think if there's ever a time to do it, it's now. If there if there's ever a time it's gonna happen, it's now. Nick Letty played has played his best hockey all year over the past few games, except for like the start of the season. Um there has been a massive overpayment in the defensive market, and guys are coming off the board. You can squeeze people. You can squeeze people, and the Red Wings also have the luxury of retaining salary, which means so much. They can only do it for so many guys. like They can't do it for all of these trades, but they would do it to make it worth it for a team. But I feel like there's 100 Nick Lettys on the market right now. How many people have Nick Lettys' name recognition, though? No, and that's what I mean. The reputation thing is the only thing carrying him right now, and that is the advantage Steve Eisenman has. But I feel like, as much as we say that, at least half the GMs in the league are smart enough to look past reputation. Which then shrinks the market even further. Yeah, but how many GMs in the league are even active in the trade market at a time, right? Half? Yeah, that's fair. It's You only need one one GM to pull the trigger. Everybody who's who's traded with uh, Peter Torelli will tell you that. Do you think GMs... I don't even know if I believe what I'm about to say. Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I need to preface that, actually. <laughs> uh, um, like, let's say Eisenman's getting some interest in Nick Letty. Do you think he sits him out for that game as like a 40 chess play and gets that tweeted out? 
just say, and then other teams that are thinking, oh yeah, oh hundred percent, the Nick Letty market's actually hot. I don't. Think, I'll pick up the phone now. I don't think that's insane. I think I actually that's you almost have to do that, right? If you're trying to drive up a price, absolutely. The if he is, I'm not. Is, I'm not saying is that cr- like holy is shit. That crazy? I mean, should you be a GM? But would GMs <laughs> actually forty chess? A play like with a galaxy brain like that. I would go so far as to say I will bet all of my very few dollars that it happens every year. Okay. I but if he doesn't get moved, then it looks like a boneheaded play. No, but then you. But you it doesn't say, matter. Though, then you right? say I didn't get the price, and ultimately we we felt he was too important to the future of this team. We have a lot of young guys. Yeah, I guess can you learn. can talk yourself out of that. Yeah, or see, we can just say I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't care what you think. <laughs> You'll be back next year. <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try something didn't work. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. No, but it's it's realistically probably both because the timing of it is hilarious because if this is 4D chess, it's brilliant because they had every option to just say, yeah, we're not bringing him on this West Coast road trip. But no, they brought him, played him in Edmonton. They're like, oh, between that Edmonton <laughs> and the Vancouver game, that's when the market really heated up. Yeah. Got to sit him now, even though he's going to be next to all of us on the plane and he's going to be on the road trip and it's going to be kind of awkward. <laughs> Player, It's also worth noting, players understand the reality of this. Nick Letty was probably, they probably had this discussion when they traded for him. Hey, you might get oh, yeah. flipped again. It's not like you just go to the rink and you never see the GM and you never talk to no. the guy who signs your paychecks. No. And like what we said about Stetcher earlier from the Vancouver play-by-play guy, Stetcher had a conversation with Eisman about what is likely to happen. They probably have these conversations with all the players every week. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the ones they don't like. <laughs> yeah, probably. No, it's... So that's actually in, in, interesting about Letty. And that's like, Evan, I can't get over how good of a point that is. I've never thought about that, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, I guess I'll, you know, if a job opening comes up, like a GM vacancy, I'll think about it. You want to take that pay, uh, pay downgrade? You know what? If I'm mixing business and passion, I, I can handle that. Less time to golf, though. No. Well, I'll just no, make he'd be in the Red Wings organization. Yeah. There'd be more time for golf. I don't know if I'd make a good time first GM because I'd probably just act on emotion all the time. <laughs> so I'd be out on the golf course frequently. Oh, so you'd be a GM in Edmonton he'd then? Shank yeah. one on the eighth hole. Call someone up. Trade Ernie now. Goddamn Joy Seidel. <laughs> Brad and I pitching Evan every episode of the Winged Wheel podcast to hire us. <laughs> yeah, that would be painful. Evan screening our calls. Oh, we'd never. We'd I'd never have a get phone. A I'd have a phone guy. I wouldn't even carry my phone around. I just have a yeah, phone guy. You absolutely would too. Half surprised you don't already have one. We don't Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. Shit. I don't even get paid. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I like that that broke while we were talking. So that's um that's more on Letty. We've we've kind of identified the heronic take, which is the very hot take of if you get a price too good that you can't pass up. That's literally any player in, on any team. That's everyone save for Raymond Insider on Detroit and probably Larkin. Like, that's the truth. Yeah, your best players, you'll never get the best possible return. No. Anything else on Detroit before we take a look at the rest of the league quickly? Nope. Just a heads up before we get into that. Um, next episode isn't going to be our usual Sunday. It is going to be a Monday post-trade deadline episode. So barring something... Barring something absolutely insane happening, uh, the next time you'll hear from us will be Monday post-trade deadline. Um, so it won't be the usual Sunday episode, but we will have something for you Monday, and that'll probably be another big episode, so stay tuned for that. Well, here's more new- breaking news. Oh, okay. Carter Mazur, NCHC Rookie of the Year. 
for Carter Mazur, man. He has been, from the moment we were critical of how high he got picked, he has just been lights out. What league was that? NCAA. It's just a division in the NCAA. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, so hypothetically, it's like if like, it was the NHL equivalent, the Western Conference. I was like the player. North Carolina Hockey yeah. Conference. You, you nailed it. it. He Hell plays yeah. for Denver. Non-contact <laughs> hockey. Yeah, it's something. De- Denver flies really far east every time. Um, okay, the rest of the NHL. Here are the trades that have happened. So we'll start March 14th. Brad mentioned this earlier. Uh, the Avs got Josh Manson at 50% salary retained, so just a touch over $2 million their way in exchange for their 2023 second-round pick and Drew Hellison. really like that trade for the Avs. Smart. Especially after seeing what, what Sherratt went for a couple days later. Manson's going to be a very good middle pair right shot defenseman who will bring a physical element while not being a dumpster fire in other aspects of the game. And he cost a second round pick, which for Colorado is going to be like pick 60. So whatever. And Hellison's a decent prospect, but his best case scenario is maybe Josh Manson. So, And then the Avs went and traded Tyson Jost, um, $2 million salary in exchange for Nico Sturm. Who's making, I think, league minimum. Yeah, league minimum. Yeah, they saved, I think, 1.3 or 1.4 million in that trade. Just under 1.3. There you go. So they're clearing room. Their current space at the deadline is just under 3 million bucks. It's not enough for Claude Giroux yet. You retain some salary. You move some guys the other way. The abs are gearing up here. You know, they see what Florida's doing on the the arms race, baby. It is. And this is a team that's close, right? You think how long Tampa Bay was close? Colorado's there right now. Colorado hasn't even got to the third round yet. I don't think Colorado has the longevity in in the way that their team is built that maybe Tampa Bay does and did. McKinnon already said he's going to take another discount. (laughs) Yeah, a discount for him could still be like $12 million. So I... He's making six and change right now. That, like they're literally, they have McKinnon for about $6 million fewer than they should be paying him, but that's whatever. Um, the Rangers acquired Frankie Vitrano uh, for two, about $2.5 million salary in exchange for the Rangers 2022 fourth round pick, which has a condition on it, which factored into the Sherratt trade. Can we come up with a rule on this podcast, just especially for the next episode? Love rules. If it's a draft pick, and it's third round or later, and there's conditions on it. We don't even mention it because who cares? Uh, the condition is, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then the Flames acquired former Detroit Red Wings prospect, Callie Yarncroc, at 50% salary salary retained, so a million bucks, in exchange for a 2022 second of Florida's, uh, a 2023 third, which was Calgary's, and a 2024 seventh, which was Calgary's. I like that for Calgary. I yeah, me too. I don't mind that for Seattle either. No, that's oh. a lot of picks because they finally acquired some. Took a while, but they're finally starting to acquire some. Um, but no, yeah, Yarncroc's a very, very, very good third line center, and he's going to be an excellent depth player. And man, you can't tell me that Cali Yarncroc is not going to be the absolute perfect fit in a Daryl Sutter system. Oh, loves him. Absolutely. The kind of game he plays. Yeah. That is the perfect fit. Remember how much losing Cali Yarncroc hurt? And how little that would matter now. Yeah, honestly. Not that he's like a nobody. It's just that no one could, uh, no one, no one player could save these Red Wings right no. now. 
So that's that. Then you have the big names still on the board, right? You have Jacob Chikrin. They're wondering what that injury is. You have players like Lawson Krause from Arizona as well. You can just say the Coyotes. Yep. Phil Kessel. Yeah. Phil Kessel's name has come up quite that a bit. Guy, the Coyotes. That guy, I think he's like a point per game player in his last like 80 playoff games. Well, first ever power edge on the uh, podcast since we've been here. Literally speaking, we've had a few metaphorical ones. Yeah, we survived. A lot of meltdowns. Immediately after the power went out, Evan uh, started pointing out things that were obvious. The lights all went off. The power very obviously turned off in the house. And Evan looks at his phone and goes, oh, your Wi-Fi is out. Just making sure you know. <laughs> he goes, camera's plugged in like we have a AC adapter on it. He goes, oh, I wonder if the video saved on the camera. Also, okay. How do I say it? Uh- <laughs> going to murder you. <laughs> There's, and we're in the dark, so no one will see <laughs> Uh, anyhow, Phil Kessel, I mean, I talked about how he scores goals real well. He has six goals in 60 games this year, so maybe I shouldn't talk so much. But um, I think he could be a benefit to a team as well. There's goalies on the market. Corpus Hall has been on the market forever. Georgiev is obviously on the market. DeBrusque has been on the market market for a long time. He's not a goalie, but I'm just naming guys who've uh, been known to be available for a while. Ricard Raquel, I mentioned earlier from the the Ducks, I think he could be someone who's attractive, right? There's there's a quite a bit out there. You think a guy like Vitaly Kraftsoff? I've seen a lot of people mock trades to Detroit actually for Kraftsoff, <laughs> looking for a new situation. What happens with him in the Rangers? Anyone strike your fancy for the Red Wings? Ah, uh, just in general, a- everybody's draft pick. Well, let's look at some of the nicknames, or nicknames, big names. Claude Giroux, where does he go? The rumors lately are that he's going to be staying east. So Colorado's not east. But they're still going to be involved. Um, Florida seems to make a lot of sense for Giroux. They seem to be making a push. I think the Rangers have sniffed around from what I've read, but whether or not they actually get him. Or he'd be willing to go to the Rangers uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, I I think Minnesota's been involved. Man, can you imagine Florida's offense and then just adding Claude Giroux? God. And he doesn't need to be the guy. That would actually be <clears throat> Florida's looking serious. Like they're looking the Sherrod overpay aside, like they are looking serious as a team. Yeah, like Sherrod's not a bad hockey player. He's not a great hockey player. He's not a bad hockey player. I'm sure he's an upgrade on whoever. He's replacing there. He's just nowhere near worth what they paid. Apparently what about the, Giordano? Apparently, the Leafs are going after Giordano. That would of course, there. That would make a lot of sense for them, especially after the news broke that uh, Muzzin might be out for the season. That is the like you know, we joked about Mark Stahl. Giordano's like he's a very capable defenseman, a lot of leadership abilities, and you know has reputation has a reputation and experience. He's a guy who can make a difference for your team, both on the ice and in the locker room. And God knows what's going on with Anaheim because Hampus Lindholm has not signed an extension yet. Yeah, what is going to happen there? They've already traded Manson. Are they really willing to move both? That's commit. You know, you're committing a lot then to the to a hard rebuild if they haven't already. There's uh, every team seems to have the exact same players that the Red Wings have, just in a different costume. And to varying talent levels. So there's obviously like a world of players available, sellers right now in the market. We're not going to get into uh, who might be sold from every team. You've, we've all seen the big trade boards. Um, 
And in terms of who might be interested interested in the Red Wings guys, like look for the contenders for the Vlad Nemestikovs and for the um, not big name players. Look for the contenders because they'll often not try to add in the margins for cheaper. And honestly, like if if you're going to go for the hot take that Hrona gets moved or Bertuzzi even, you can look further down the board. That's when you can look at like the Islanders and maybe not the cup contenders this year. But um, okay, speaking of the Red Wings. Before we started recording, I mentioned to people uh, that we were going to be recording, and why don't they give me their best Red Wings trade proposal? Oh, yes. My favorite part. This is where I get to just be a, an absolute asshole. Let's go. Because nothing happens in the NHL, so the trade is no every time. Yep. Uh, Bertuzzi to the Islanders for Atu Ratu, uh, Beauvillier in a 2023 first. Islanders say no. I think that's too much from the Islanders. I'd yeah. be thrilled, but I think that's too much from the Islanders. I think you're one piece too much there. I think you can get away with two of those three as the focus and then have another filler. Like I said, two premium pieces and a third okay piece. The Islanders would be giving up what? Their best prospect, one of their best players, and a first-round pick, which could be a top-10 pick where they're at right now. Too much. I mean, if, they, if they're willing to, in a heartbeat, Eisman should say yes, but... It's a bit rich. There's quite a few of like Letty to Edmonton for a second or things like that. Um, I So another Islanders one. Bertuzzi to the Islanders and the Wings get Rat 2, a 2022 first and a 2023 first, but the 2023 is lottery protected. I think the same thing. I think same that's too thing, much. Same thing, three premium pieces. Not, yeah. not likely. Uh, Detroit sends Philip Hronik at half salary retained. He's got two years left after this one? Yeah, I think so. That's what I said. Um, and then the Red Wings get in return. Um, Chris Russell from Edmonton. Chris Russell, Kyler Yamamoto, and Dmitry uh, Samorakov. So Russell would be a cap dump, and then you would be getting Yamamoto and Samarukov. Oh, Samarukov? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a good one because that's making me think. What does Samarukov is a legitimate good prospect, but I don't think he'll ever be as good as Heronic is. Chris Russell only makes 1.25. He's yeah, he's just a captain. And he, I'm assuming he's a pending UFA. Yeah. Yeah. So real but Yamamoto is a pending RFA. And he's a right shot forward who brings offense. I think I'd do it. And I think it's close enough that I think Edmonton would also consider it. But here's the only catch. Edmonton, as much as they have a need for a right D, they also have a need for depth scoring, and I don't think they could afford to give up Yamamoto. Bertuzzi, and I'm, there's a lot of Bertuzzi ones, so I'm going to keep going through these. Bertuzzi for Pittsburgh. 20, Pittsburgh's 2022 first and fourth, Kasperi Kapanen and Philip Hollander. Detroit says no. I think, yeah, you can squeeze more from someone else. Kapanen's having a terrible year and historically hasn't shown to be much more than like a third, maybe fringe second line player. Hollander, there's might be something there, but it's still a bit of a long shot. So the only great piece you're getting there is the 2022 first, which it's Pittsburgh is going to be a late first anyway. I can get away with trading Bertuzzi for just a first round pick or as only one premium piece if it's the Islanders, if it's Columbus, if it's a basement, not a basement, but like it's going to be the top half of the first round. 
Nick Letty and Vlad Nemesnikov, 50% retained for Jake DeBrusque. Boston says no. Boston says no to that one. In a yeah. heartbeat. Uh, this is a sign-in trade. So assuming Cop extends, stall in a second to Winnipeg for Cop. Winnipeg says no. I also think if Cop is going to sign with Detroit, do you just wait a few months? Yeah. Yeah. I think Winnipeg thinks they can get more for Cop and they might not be wrong. Zadina, Cotton, and a third for Fiala. Minnesota says no in a heartbeat. They have cap issues. Minnesota says no in Fiala's a point per game player. Yeah, I know. I was just Yeah, you know, I'm just advocating. Um Tyler Bertuzzi, Joe Valeno for Alex Newhook, Ryan Murray, Colorado's first and Colorado's third. Colorado says no to that, right? Bertuzzi Valeno mm. for a late first new hook and a couple meaningless picks. 2023 first. Uh 2022 third. Murray and Newhook. Okay, so Murray and the third are basically filler. So Valeno and Bertuzzi for Newhook and a first. I say no. If you're the Red Wings. Yeah, if I'm the Red Wings, I say no. It did get interesting, though. Including Valeno is an interesting wrinkle. So, because, well, here's the thing. People think that, you know, Valeno hasn't panned out quite as good as we've hoped which one there's still time but let's just for hypothetical sake if all joe valeno is is a good third line center that's a fantastic late first round pick Mm -hmm. which was 30th overall when they got him which is around where colorado's pick will be so that's almost an even swap so yeah i i wouldn't nick letty half retained 2022 fourth, which is Colorado's, to the Rangers for a 2022 second, and Vitali Kraftsoff. Rangers say no to yeah, Rangers heartbeat. say no to that. I think they would say no to that for just the second, probably. Bertuzzi and Heronic to the Isles for Dobson, Rat two, and a first. Islanders say no. Do they? Oh, sorry. Bertuzzi, Heronic for Dobson, Rat two, and a first. I think. Oh yeah, sorry. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that actually. I think the Isles still say. N- sorry i gotta go piece by piece because you're trading then bertuzzi for a first and dobson and then you're trading heronic for ratu essentially if you want to look at it that way yeah yeah that's not bad it gets mucky like yeah that's not bad when i'm conflicted that's how you know you're in the range i don't think i the islanders will be fond of getting rid of dobson and ratu and a first i think that's quite a few you could also make the argument that dobson's already better than heronic but Hopefully the rest of the Islanders don't view it that way. Detroit ships Bertuzzi, Albert Johansson in a third, and the LA Kings send Gabe Velarde, Alex Turcott in a first. I think the Wings say no. Think so? Velarde and Turcott have not panned out to be what their draft position said they would or implied they would. Johansson has far exceeded his draft position. And then obviously Bertuzzi's Bertuzzi. The first is, it'd be a mid first, which is good. I still think Detroit says no, though. Bertuzzi to Minnesota for Rossi next year's first and a 2023 second. Minnesota couldn't afford that. They have Minnesota, cap troubles. And Minnesota already. would say no anyway. Um, Rossi isn't the typical prospect where you're throwing there. That's like a legit top 10 pick who is panning out like a top 10 pick. 
Detroit sends Tyler Bertuzzi. Boston sends Trent Frederick, Fabian Lucelle, and a 2023 second. I think Detroit says no. But it's not crazy. There's a lot of really good ones in here. Yeah, there's more than that made me think than I thought there would be. Kudos. Okay, one more. Kudos. Actually, two more. Zadina for Kravtsov, straight up one for one swap. Detroit says no in a heartbeat. Bertuzzi for Gerard in a second. Colorado says no. Do they? Yeah. Gerard's younger, more premium position, and very cost-controlled at a very good price. Bertuzzi's a playoff player, man. Doesn't that count for something? No, because he's never played in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He plays a a style of game that you know will be good in the playoffs. I still think Colorado If he can play in the games. All right. Uh, We could do this for literal hours. So why don't we wrap this up? Uh, Appreciate the trade proposals. Like we said, don't get too embedded in uh, the actual, you know, literal third, fourth, whatever round values or picks. Those are values. So find... um, equivalent values there when we talked about those and here's to hoping steve eiserman makes this episode obsolete almost instantly yeah because that's more fun uh we're going to jump into overtime here we're going to take some questions from patreon our patreon supporters are the reason we're able to do things like uh, do a trade deadline preview and recap episode uh, with bonus content after this we're going to be doing a full overtime patreon exclusive overtime for uh, patrons to listen to but we are going to take uh, a few questions here Taylor F says, Hey guys, do you think that due to how many teams uh, there are that could be cup contenders, the asking price at the deadline for players could increase Montreal fleeced Florida because a lot of good teams were in on Sherratt. And I feel like a lot more teams this year um, are actually cup competitive compared to previous years. The salary cap cap limitations kind of counterbalance that. Yeah, a little bit what we were talking about earlier. There's probably teams that want to be in that are just like, it doesn't make sense for us to stretch right now. Yeah, they just they just can't unless they get hyper creative with the trades in terms of contracts going in and out, which not every seller will be super keen on. Ryan Hubbard asks, hey guys, my question is, who would be your five players that are off the table? Mine would be Larkin, Raymond, Sider, Verana, and Ned. Curious what you would think. Yeah, I think that's my list too. If you had to pick five. Yeah. I think you can say three reasonably and anything beyond that is more emotion than anything. And I think that's obviously Raymond, Sider, and Larkin. Yeah. I love Ned and I I don't think he should be traded, but there's a right price for everyone. Yep. Um, Join the Darksider says, is Nemesnikov worth the return he'd get? He's such a great Red Wing and it seems like it's not worth it to me. It's what we were talking about before, right? You have to remove the emotion from situations like this. Not to say it's not right to be upset. You can be upset, um, but you just have to understand why these things happen. Now, this obviously won't be public and will never be public, but for Iserman, for all the guys he's thinking about trading or keeping that he's on the fence, like he's holding Nick Letty out as a trade asset tonight, so I think we can assume he doesn't care about Nick Letty at the end of the year. He's just a trade asset. But for a guy like Nemesnikov, you better have a half decent idea of what his contract demands are for next year. Because if Nemesnikov says, uh, yeah, I want $4 million a year, and Eisman goes, well, we're very obviously not paying you that, then 
then you trade him for anything that can be considered a half decent return because you're obviously not going to keep him. But if Nemeskov goes, yeah, I'll come back for like a, on like a two year, five mil deal. Okay. Now you have something to think about is a fourth round pick more valuable than two pretty affordable years of Vlad Nemesnikov. Derek Enstam says, what would it say if Stevie does very little at the trade deadline? Would that be a good or a bad sign? I alluded to it earlier and I'll put it more bluntly. Now the most of the players, the Red Wings have available for trade as rentals aren't very good. So there is a reality where other teams just don't want them. Um, Leah Hextall's favorite hockey player says, Hey guys, longtime listener, first time caller and new supporter. Glad to be here to support the fantastic stuff you guys are, you guys do. Thank you so much for the support. It genuinely means the world to us. First question, assuming Blashill is hypothetically fired in the off season or before, who do you expect to become the next head coach? Tangay, Gronberg, or someone else? And second question, what position did Ryan play? Oh, actually, um, played on the right side. On defense. <laughs> um, who would we expect to be the next head coach? Way too early to tell because there's going to be coaches fired, other coaches scooped up. Uh, the the name that hasn't been mentioned yet that I we've heard around Detroit circles before, Lane Lambert. I don't, yep. I don't have any good guesses beyond that. I think if you're talking midseason, you're probably going to see one of the um, the assistants step in as an interim. But not that we've heard his name connected to Detroit. Well, we haven't, but Jim Montgomery's since he's, uh, since he's recovered, had a successful rehab. Um, his name's starting to get floated around as potential head coach again. And he wasn't a bad head coach, um, before he just, you know, had his demons. Yeah. Large, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, hello, sweetophiles. Why is there so much talk about Yager still playing hockey at 50 as if it was a feat? I mean, there's a second tier check league for a crying out loud. That's nothing. Michael Bunting is still in the NHL. <laughs> Anyhow, Theodore Niederbach is rumored to be leaving for Lunda for Rogla in the offseason. I find that quite interesting. Any thoughts on if that happens? If it, if it means more ice time? Yeah, that's the only thing I have. That's the only opinion i could have because i don't know enough about the inner workings of either organization to get into that if he gets five more minutes a game going to rogla then great and we have time for one more question here from ben Barron says howdy dub dubs are there any out of the box pieces that you could see being dealt from this team slash maybe a prospect that gets thrown in to increase the value on a sale <laughs> yes any of them out, like out of the box out of the box truly I'd go to the the a little bit crazy heronic take. Um prospects someone like Albert Johansson, maybe. That's your big game hunting if you're doing that. Steve Eisman. Yeah. All but right. I, like all the guys who are rumored to be available, I don't even know who the Red Wings would go after where that would be worth including. Like, do the Red Wings come in as a stealth team on like Chikrin? Like, yeah, I don't know. All right, folks. The more we say, the more likely it is to be completely obsolete. So we're going to wrap up this episode. Again, we're going to be back with you on Monday night. So not our usual usual Sunday episode. We're going to let the trade deadline play itself out unless something absolutely nuclear happens, at which case I'll probably drag. We'll have to probably drag Evan by his ears in his jammies to the studio. But um, 
Uh, you can expect to hear us back Monday night. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'd like to thank our sponsors of this episode, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and our name level supporters on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, um, on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver for the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Arjun Shanker, uh, Taylor Tagel, B. Diz, Boos Lobsinger, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Honeysuckle Scented Farts, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheesebags, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, Hello, I'm Aaron, and I like to smoke and yell at the Red Wings on, t- on the television. James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stull, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Papa Woody, new name level sponsor, welcome. Reed, Revy DeLuca, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the trade deadline and let the eyes of plan roll on. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.